You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? So Pat, before we get into your career and what you're doing now, many people don't know that you grew up in Detroit and how it led to the beginnings of what most would consider a really successful career in athletics. So why don't you take me through a little history of your childhood and how it led you to football and strength and conditioning in particular? Well, my parents, I have very good parents. Um, They're still together. My dad's from Georgia. My mom's from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And they uh, moved to Detroit. They didn't know each other, but they met there. And um, they married, and then I was born soon after. My dad worked at Chrysler, and so he's a factory worker. My mom uh, stayed at home, and she made sure things were taken care of. So you could kind of say I was a mama's boy. You spent a <laughs> lot of time, a lot of time with mom. Um, I love my mom, and um, seems like all of my friends they're all mama's boys too. Mama's boys kind of find each other. Uh, <laughs> so. But but that doesn't work so well in in um in inner city Detroit, Michigan. That, um, that, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work so well. So what needed to happen is uh I needed to find a ways to uh work on my confidence, um, be more physical, be able to protect myself um emotionally, physically. So the best way she knew how to do that is to just take me uh to the football field. I went to the, uh, I played for the East side Cowboys. Very good team. Very, we had great coaches. They cared a lot. They were tough. Uh, I think my first year playing football, we went unscored on undefeated unscored on for the entire season. So for me, yeah, I was, I ended up being the most improved player. Um, I I love to work hard. I love being around the sport. And uh, just love football. I love what it did for me. I love the um, the confidence. I love the um, the physicality. I, I loved everything about the teamwork. Um, and so it's just something I just couldn't get enough of. That's cool. So, what um, were you into strength and conditioning as a part of that, or did you did that come a little bit later? That came a little bit later um, because as you, it was fine when I was younger, but eventually the players that you're playing against get bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, they're more physical. And that had to become something, um, by the time I was in high school, I had to learn how to, uh, I, I think amongst my friends, I was probably one of the weakest. And and that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing for me. So I asked for a, a weight set. Um, I didn't have a bench. I was actually bench pressing on my bed, in my bedroom uh, with my mom. <laughs> My mom found me benching in my in my bed, and that's when we went to Target and got a a, a, a bench so that I could lift weights okay. uh, safely in the basement. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 that I found a lot of confidence 
uh, from lifting weights. Um, I remember the the kid that I grew up across the street from, um, the last day he wanted to fight me is when uh, we went and lifted weights together because uh, I was ready to fight. <laughs> I was ready to fight him. I, I got off the school yeah. bus. I was like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. And uh, he said, made well, him think why? twice. Yeah, he said, why are you why are you ready? I was like, I've been getting ready. <laughs> he said, well, how you been getting ready? I said, I've been lifting. He said, where do you lift? I said, in the basement. So he said, can I lift with you? That's what we did. We, <laughs> we lifted together and everything was all good after that. Yep. From bullies to bros over weightlifting. <laughs> <laughs> Ways bring people together. It brings people together. Yep. It's, uh, it, I couldn't get enough. In high school, I would lift sometimes three times a day. I would wake up early in the morning. I would lift at school. I would lift at night. Um, it's just something that I love doing. Always have. And so was that was that on your own or did you have a, like a, was the football coach your strength coach? Was there an actual strength coach? How did you really kind of find your, wow, what to do? We had no strength coach. <laughs> <laughs> we had no strength coach. We, we had, uh, you might find, I found like a Joe Weeder poster or something. Um, that I would look at and, and, and that's where I would see exercises on this poster. And I would just say, Oh, work on your wrist, do some wrist curls, work on your forearms, <laughs> work on your, do some, uh, work on your chest, do some bench press. Uh, we didn't do any lower body. We, <laughs> it was just, the, the, it was a the beach workout. Would, it was a beach workout. The, the coach <laughs> would open up the door and then he would go probably in the gym and, and grade some papers or something. <laughs> It was it was open gym. It was up to us what we wanted to do. So um, I know it's all in kind of in your bio pages, but to save some people some googling, can you take us from kind of after high school and you know you played and then started your career? Can you take us through that a little bit? Yes, I, I um, my senior year. So I went to Cass Tech High School, which is in downtown Detroit. It's a really good academic school. Um, a lot of um, good college students um, end up coming from that school. And I had a choice whether I, I could go play um, on an academic scholarship or athletic scholarship. Of course, I chose an athletic scholarship, much more, <laughs> much more fun. Uh, yep. I wanted to be a football player in college. Um, I didn't know if being a pro really wasn't on my radar. I just wanted to, I just wanted to play football and wherever it would take me, that's where I would go. So I chose, um, University of Missouri, and actually the uh, starting quarterback, uh, A.J. Ofadale, we both um, had, a, had an agreement, said, you know, if we if there was a school that we both liked and they liked us, we would try to pick that school and go to school together and just support each other. And um, I was we've been friends for a while, over 30 years, um, 20 years, I don't know. It's been a long time, and uh, he's uh, he's actually coaching there now. Um, so I'm really proud of him and the things that he's been able to accomplish. We both had a chance to um, play in the NFL. We actually had our, the first game we played against each other. We were over in Japan. I was playing defensive end. He was playing tight end. Um, so that was uh, that was fun. We had played against each other when we were 10 years old. And to be doing it in high school together, college together, and then professional on all four levels, you know, that's a special uh, relationship. For sure, not very many people can say that. No, 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 no. It's 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 something that I, I cherish for sure, and um, I think about often. Um, 
but but playing in college was was a dream of mine. I wanted to really, really work hard. I played offense mostly in high school, so I had a transition to make. And it took me a few years to make that transition. It was not easy. I actually did not become a starter until my senior year. Um, and so it, it was not easy. You know, a lot today, a lot of athletes, they'll transfer if they're not playing. I just chose to keep working and um, stick with it and just get better. So from your college career, you did a couple years in the NFL, like you were just saying. And then what led from the NFL to strength and conditioning? Make the connection for me. Well, I went in as an undrafted free agent, so that's the hard way. Um, you know, I was there for probably about the average, what you would consider the average. I was over four years, but, you know, a lot of times being released and cut and then picked back up and then in camp and then released, cut. And eventually I decided I would go to um, receive my master's degree um, at the University of Missouri. And I was offered a position. We, we had um, one a defensive line coach, um, Coach Curtis Jones, that passed away. Um, and that created a some an opportunity for others on staff, and it created an opportunity for me to be a graduate assistant in the weight room. And I did that. My my first assignment was to actually pick up Dan Devine, who's a very famous football coach from the airport in St. Louis, um, for the uh, funeral that would be hap that would happen on that Saturday. And I would start on Monday as a graduate assistant in the weight room working under Donnie Summer, who's currently uh, the head strength conditioning coach at TCU in Texas. That's a crazy first assignment to get. <laughs> yes, don't get that one wrong. Don't get that yeah. one wrong. His name is on buildings. Mm -hmm. uh, well, and I'm just thinking now, you know, some people, their first assignment you know, might be cleaning off benches and stuff like that. You know, it's it's just such a it's a different world. So, yeah, first, it's a little yeah, a little different. We we were very involved in recruiting. Um, uh, we were we were seen. You know, we're always seen as an extension of of um, the the football staff when you're working with the football team. But it was it, they didn't have as many graduate assistants, so a lot of that did fall on the strength and conditioning assistance, um, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And so did you, with the, with beginning in strength and conditioning, did you have the intention of then becoming a football coach, like a position coach, or did you, once you started, you knew that strength and conditioning was what you wanted to do? It was really up to coach Larry Smith. He, I told him I would do whatever he wanted me to do. Uh, I just wanted an opportunity to coach. I would, if if it was on the football side, I would welcome it. If it was in the weight room, I would love it. So um, I love football and I loved uh, being in the weight room. So for me, it, it really did not matter. It was it was up to his. It was his decision and whatever whatever spot that was open, I was going to take it and I was going to stick with it. I was not going to question what I should be doing if it opened up. On the football side, I was just going to be a football coach and work my way up to being a head coach. And if it opened up in the weight room, I was just going to work my way up to be a head strength and conditioning coach and just try to be the best I could be. And so that's how that happened is a, a full-time strength spot came open before a full-time coaching spot came open. Is that how you went from GA to full-time? Um, well, they promoted me from graduate assistant to full-time 
full-time strength and conditioning coach. So as I was finishing up my master's degree, I was promoted to full-time strength and conditioning coach. And I did that for about a year and a half at the University of Missouri and got a call from the University of Tulsa um, after a year and a half. And so that was uh, 2002 to be, that would be my first director position. Um, and I would go to University of Tulsa. I did that for two seasons, uh, the 2002 and 2003 season. And in 2004, um, Coach Gary Pinkle called me back to the University of Missouri because actually, um, if let me back up a little bit. When I was a full-time assistant, uh, the the football staff was fired and Coach uh, Gary Pinkle was brought in. So I, I worked with two different staffs. And when I went to Tulsa, it I had that relationship with Coach Pinkle and the staff. So when the, when there was a vacancy and that that head strength conditioning position opened up, he called me up, and then I came back to the University of Missouri as the director in 2004. I did that. Um, I was promoted a few times. I was promoted to assistant athletics director, then to an associate athletics director. We created the departments of um, nutrition. We started working with our um, um, physical therapist, and we created what we call corrective biomechanics over that time. So from 2004 to 2015, um, my last year coaching um, at, at Mizzou, we, we saw a lot of change, a lot of progression. Um, we, we were doing things in a way that I thought was, was leading um, in the nation. And that was our vision. That was our athletics director, Mike Alden. That was his vision. He said he wanted um, Mizzou strength conditioning to be nationally known and recognized. And we worked towards that every day. Um, and we accomplished a lot, won a lot of, uh, we had a lot of success across the athletic department, not just with football, but with all sports. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Sorenex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. And so with beginning at Missouri, kind of from, um, I believe you said it was 04 to 2015, can you give us an idea of how many people were on staff in 04 and then how many people were in the department, kind of the the whole department? I know you said that you created departments within departments, but how many people would you say were added over the course of that 11 years? How many positions? I would say in 2004, I, I, rem the, um, I would say we had, before I returned, there were, I believe, four full-time assistants and maybe two GAs. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe maybe six or seven people in, okay. in the weight room. Um, and, and by the time uh, we finished up in 2015, I can count probably in the mid-30s. Um, wow. and, and that was from nutritionists. All the interns, we had all kinds of interns. We had 
um, physical therapy interns. We had strength conditioning interns, nutrition interns. We had, um, we even at one point had a maintenance intern. Someone just wanted to show up and help keep the weight room clean. Uh, <laughs> that we, doesn't we, happen often. <laughs> no, no, no. He, we actually, uh, he, he was so good at cleaning. We actually gave him a whistle and a watch <laughs> to help us coach. <laughs> nice. Um, it was, yeah. So it was something that grew the the budget that we had overall budget included salaries, benefits and equipment expenses, things like that. In 2004, it was 329,000. And in 2015, by the time we created a nutrition department uh, and, and all the and research and all the technology, all the, it was uh, about 1.9 million uh, that, that the budget grew. And that was people, that was salaries and benefits and equipment, nutrition, supplements, um, technology, research. We were just trying to really um, make athletic performance something that was comprehensive and integrated. It was, it w- and what that means is in the weight room, and that's where I was in the weight room, you would, uh, we, would all, we would have nutrition, we would bring in sports psychology, we would bring in uh, all of the things that we expected our athletes to be really good at we tried to bring to them and help them with that. So we expected them to make good decisions. Uh, we expected them to be mentally tough. We expected them to eat right, eat healthy, supplements, hydrate. We, ex- we expected them to know how to take care of their bodies, how to warm up, how to recover, how to sleep right. So we wanted to make sure that as a staff, we had those expertise to be able to uh, help our student athletes. And it kind of sounds like, so since, you know, they, the athletes spend so much time in the weight room, instead of making them go across campus, instead of making them, you know, go to five different buildings in the same day to get all those same messages, you guys just had it in the weight room available and it was a constant message throughout. Absolutely. We wanted to make sure that um, that they saw us as role models. The, the We wanted to make sure that when they saw us, they they saw some some people that were physically fit. We we made we we were um, emotionally stable. We were focused. We worked hard. We took care of ourselves. We we um, we were hydrated. You you athletes, they would always find us with our own water bottles. Um, and we we just found that we had more credibility the more we focused on ourselves as role models. That makes sense. I mean, we get every every single team. There's a kid. There's an athlete, girl, guy. Doesn't matter. Somebody always says or has the attitude, anyways. Of you're sitting here telling me to do it. Let me see you do it. And so it sounds, you know, pretty much throughout the past twenty years of your career that that's you've lived that mentality as if an athlete will always question if you're doing it also. And and I was I was that athlete, and and my friends, we were those athletes. We, mm-hmm. we looked at, if our coaches said our shoes needed to be tied, we made sure that their shoes were tied. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was just that way. Um, and because we wanted to believe and trust our coaches. And the best way you can, you can do that is, is when you as a coach, you have integrity about what you're, what you're teaching. Do you live it? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the more you can live what you expect out of your athletes, the more credibility you have. And the more success, I believe, the more success you'll have. 
And speaking of success, actually, sustaining a career in athletics can be tough at any level. And you've managed to do it now for over 20 years, which is something many, many coaches are striving for, coaches and professionals in athletics. So with the understanding that 20 years can be credited to a bunch of different things, like we were just talking about integrity and taking care of yourself and things like that. Can you highlight one or two things that you think helped you the most or continue to help you the most? Um, you know, people talk about work-life balance. I think I've seen a lot of coaches burn out. And for me, um, Josh Stoner, who was on our staff, he went to a conference and he came back and he said, you know, they talked about that work-life balance was something that that's just not possible, but work-life integration is possible. And, and we thought about that, you know, what we, what were we doing where we could integrate our our um, families, hobbies, things that we like to do into work. Um, and that doesn't mean we weren't working hard because we were. We were working 70, 80 hours a week sometimes. Uh, but that can come at a cost. And if you don't have, if you're not able to allow your family to be a part of your your work life, then you, you're not going to be able to get everything done. And, and for me, I've seen coaches burn out because they put too much time in the work and they, they don't involve um, the other things that they like that actually gives them energy and, and rejuvenates them. And, and you know, for, for coaches that have families, that's, that's a big part of your energy. And, and if you can uh, find ways that, you know, if they can come by the weight room, if you can have dinner uh, at the facilities, whatever it is uh, on your kid's day off, if you can go, you know, spend time with them, uh, even going to a movie in the middle of the day, if you've got some free time, I've seen that pay coaches back. So um, in, in terms of uh, longevity, that's important. If you're burning out, then you won't last long. Um, I think ha being a per being a loner, a learner, a lifelong learner is something that, that has helped me. Uh, mm -hmm. It's something that I've, I've continued to um, work on and improve. I know that, in athletics, nothing is is permanent. Uh, when I was in the NFL, the the old veterans used to tell me um, NFL stands stands for not for long, and so <laughs> so you learn um, so so you learn that you need to be as you're growing um, to be the best athlete you can be. You also need to grow to be the best person you can be. Same thing goes for coaches. You need to find ways to grow as a coach, as a person. Um, while you're while you're coaching, and that that will that will actually help you to be a better coach. Um, I can't think of anything that I've learned or grew that I didn't become a better coach because of it, and and those around me uh, benefited from it, and I benefited from those that were doing the same thing. So um, I benefited from um, the the staff members that were continuing their education, whether it was. Jana Heitmeyer going back to school to be a, a registered dietitian. She went back to school for an additional six years while she was working as the director of sports nutrition to um, receive her registered dietitian degree. Whether it's, uh, it was Brian Mann uh, going back to school to get his um, doctor, his PhD, um, and, and doing leading our research. Whether it was uh, Andrew Paul, who's now with the um, Oklahoma City Thunder. He went back to get his doctorate in physical therapy and on and on and on. There were everyone on staff um, was was continuing their education in some kind of way, some kind of 
fashion. And I think what that does is as you grow, it also help, It also prepares you for transitions in the future. Um, I've seen strength coaches that only focused on the strength and conditioning. And at some points, they you, you're faced with a, um, a fork in the road you, and you have to choose and decide, you know, are you going to continue to chase an opportunity that may not be there or are you going to be prepared for another opportunity? Maybe until, um, you know, what you what you really want to do, um, that opportunity comes back up. And and I've experienced that myself. No, no one's immune to it. Uh, those transitions. Um, and for me, whatever investment that I made personally and in other people, I was able to reap the benefits and the rewards um, during those times of transition and change. So that that is something that I think that has helped me. Um, it, it's something that has has kept me on the grind, so to speak. And it's something that I think inspires others. I know I know when others do that, it they inspire me. So I'm I'm hoping that I can continue to do that. And speaking of continuing, actually, with your new position at the University of Louisville, congratulations, by the way. Um, you will be kind of overseeing all of the different departments that we've touched on so far, you know, everything from strength and conditioning to nutrition and sports psychology and athletic training, all kinds of things. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of how that position uniquely puts you in the in the role that you can help better things for not only the athletes, but the coaches and the other professionals in the athletic department itself? Yes, these the, the areas. That, so here are the areas I oversee. I oversee um, strength and conditioning, athletic performance, sports medicine, physical therapy, um, sports nutrition, mental health, and mental performance, and and the efforts, um, technology, and and the whatever research um, that we're going to be doing. And th- these areas have grown tremendously over the last you know five, ten. 15 years and um, the departments that exist here are, are have a lot of people and a lot of moving parts and it's reached a point where um, there needed to be some coordination um, so that th- those different areas can can be more collaborative and the, the athletes benefit from that. I think being a former athlete, I, I look at things from that perspective. And what what is it that that I needed and my teammates? What are the things that we needed to be champions? And 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 when you look at things from that perspective, you can you can really um, develop a philosophy that that is uh, servant minded and and and, um, and so all of these student services related to athletic performance, um, health and performance. So my title is associate athletics director of health and performance, student athlete health and performance, I can um, make sure that all of the areas we're all working on in the same on the same page, working in the same direction. And I can be an advocate for those areas as well. Um, and I think that's that's necessary. Um, we have a lot of people that work work very hard. They work long hours, some work six, seven days a week, and they need um, someone that can help them 
to uh, handle things administratively. And the, the point I am in my career, I, I see myself as a coach of, of coaches, a coach of directors. Uh, and the, the experience that I have and, and going back to school and, and continuing my education uh, put me in this position um, so, that I, so that I have the credibility to, um, to stand in front of um, these, these good people and, and um, be able to offer a direction and provide a vision. And that actually sounds like that falls right in line with the goals of this podcast. So can you take us through a little bit, maybe some of the guests that we're going to have lined up for the podcast and kind of the goals, how this how this podcast really is set apart from other traditional strength and conditioning podcasts, though they are great, um, and other performance podcasts that might be doing really well out there. But how is this one going to be different and special and something that people will really want to tune into each episode? Good. Well, well, we're going to talk about sets and reps, but we're going to talk about things beyond sets and reps. Um, what are the things that that uh, coaches, uh, athletes, other professionals, performance professionals, what are their uh, challenges they face and just help help those people to uh, navigate their way through those those uh, situations? I, I had a um, conversation with a coach um, this morning and. Um, the, he had questions about uh, team dynamics and 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 help wanting to understand more about team dynamics and and I was able to help and talk about uh, the four stages of team development. So, you know, taking him through the four stages of team development, you can you can understand. Okay, uh, there's going to be friction. There's going to be um, athletes challenging each other, and is that a bad thing? And and um, what are the things that that we can do or people coaches can do to help their teams work towards what it is that champions are. And, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about sports psychology, sports medicine, uh, physical therapy, how all of these areas impact the uh, athletes and, and how we can be better um, aware and knowledgeable about how how these things work together, so I'm excited. I'm excited um, to 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 help people out. Um, that's my passion is to help people maximize their own performance. And through this podcast, I get I get asked a lot of questions. Um, sometimes question quest several questions a day, and I just want to be able to share share my knowledge, share the experiences that I've had over the years. And so, who would you say is the perfect listener for this podcast? The perfect listener, just someone who wants to learn, someone who wants to try something and and find ways to improve what it is that they're doing, Um, whether it's their processes or uh, their systems, whether it's just one small thing that they may pick up um, from one of our guests or myself and and so that they can apply it and and be a better, better coach, be a better leader, um, be a better person in life. Um, whether it's a husband or a father or a wife or a spouse, um, whatever it is, just to help. It's about human performance. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. 
To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com. <laughs>